And welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. Along with my partners, Brian Siegler, Jonathan Talley, and Shelton Moss, I am Curtis Wilson. And this episode is brought to you by Dr. Jeremy Counts down at the Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg, your friendly neighborhood pharmacy, 301 South Main Street, Blacksburg. Fellas, been a while since all four of us got together. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm a little under the weather. I've been fighting a little uh, little scratchy throat, a little cold, but I'm, I'm rocking and rolling, man. How about you, Sheldon? Been doing good, man. Busy, busy, busy with work, but I really enjoyed the Hokies beatdown of UVA last night. A historic beatdown, no less. So Absolutely. that made the week a lot better. We'll talk about that a little bit later, Tally. Now, you were Brian sick this week. You were sick last week, what you tell me. Last right? week, man, a little bit sick. Got to tell Brian he needs to stay out of the whorehouses. That's where you get sickness from. <laughs> stay out of there. <laughs> I'm glad that y'all gonna talk a little hoops because I renounced um, basketball altogether for about maybe a couple of weeks. Couple of weeks, you know. Lakers <laughs> don't do nothing, so hey, it's, it's All Star Week. They scoring 200 points. Oh my god! In the All Star yeah. game, I ain't watching that shit. You know, the Hokies have been what they have, so I'm excited to hear what y'all got to say because I ain't watch shit. You ain't watch it? Well, no, I ain't watched it. Okay, well, you, you're gonna find something about what happened last night in in that in a little while here when we talk about hoops. But we're gonna start off tonight. Uh, me and Brian had the opportunity yesterday, uh, and we sat down with the offensive coordinator of the Virginia Tech Hokies, Tyler Bowen. So we're gonna start off with the interview there. And uh, Brian is a good time. He, I think we could have went longer because Kyron mentioned like he's a funny guy. There are a couple times he pushed that chair back like he was ready to go for us. Yeah, man. Uh- super bright dude uh very sharp but like you can tell that he's uh he's ready to roll and has a has a really good personality and can definitely you know somebody you want to have a beer with and hang out and just pick their brain a little bit so absolutely well uh we'll fire it up here and uh we'll talk about it a little bit once it's once it's done here Three corner podcast listeners today we have a very special guest with us we're introducing coach Tyler Bowen, your offensive coordinator. Coach Bowen, how, how are you today? Doing good. How about you guys? Doing good. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us. Um, I know I know it's busy. I know y'all are kind of just wrapping up the uh, the big push with the with the recruiting for 2025. So I appreciate you taking the time and uh, and joining us uh, tonight. That's all good. Appreciate appreciate you guys pushing the brand, supporting Virginia Tech. Um, lo- love the show. I'm glad to be on it. Appreciate you, Coach. And let's let's start there because you know right now I know the big push right now off season phase one. You got winter workouts, hunger drills every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, in what ways are you as quarterback coach and offensive coordinator? How are you evaluating players' development during phase one of the off season? Well, you know, starting out, I love this time of the year, right? We call it phase one for a reason. You can't get to the fourth one until you accomplish this one, right? So we're we're all about it. We're boots on the ground. I love being back on campus and off the road and on the grass with these guys. Um, so that, that part's been fun. But, I, you know, I love this time of the year because I think it's a time you strip everything down to the studs and start over. You know, it, it, you know nothing – you can have experiences from year to year that you can build on and, and draw on and things like that, but you're, you got to strip it back down to the studs and build it back up, and phase one's a great time to do that. So when we're on the field right now from a quarterback perspective, but the whole offense, you know, it's building the entire offense back up and layering it from 100 level up. 
You know, we talk about it like it's a class, right? We, you got to accomplish 100 level before you can move to 200 level. So that's been fun. It's also been fun, just like you're talking about, to be able to, you know, see some early enrollees get on campus and see them on the grass, see uh, transfers on the grass, and then also see the improvements that our rosters made from from last year to now, right? What they put in in the month of January. Um, you know, that's been fun. So we're, we're looking at all, but I love this time of the year because it's really a time to really build up from the basics and, and, and start, start from there. What, what is that, that what is that uh, emphasis that Coach Bry has on competition? What, what can you kind of see from that, um, from these winter workouts and those hunger drills? Yeah, it's awesome, right? That's a fundamental for our program. Um, you know, it's pretty neat, right? Every, every drill is competitive. So it, when we're running that agility circuit or whatever we're doing, there's a matchup, right? So they all have an individual matchup and then there's individual group and, and team competitions at the end. So, you know, putting them in a mindset to compete, you know, that's, that's a big piece of it. You can, it's not just when you hit the grass, you've got to have a mindset to win at all times. And I think we're able to build that in our hunger drills in, in phase one. I absolutely love hearing you talk about like taking it down to the studs every year because you're right. Like what happened last year is last year. We we can't That's go right. back. We, can't, we, we can build upon it, but we can't effectively had an eighth win, add a ninth win. We've got to start over again. Let me ask you this. We talked to Coach Pry last year, and he mentioned how he's always looking to improve, changing when needed. So let me ask you this. As you head into latter latter stages of phase one, getting into spring ball there, is there anything from year one to year three, or even this year or last year to this year, that you've changed in preparing for those 15 practices and the uh, spring game itself? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I think we're trying to evolve every year, right? I think the the only bad plan is one that can't change. Um, you gotta gotta be willing to adapt, be willing to evolve. I know, you know, as soon as the season ends, I start getting the itch. Um, you know, you take a couple of days, but you start getting the itch of, you know, what are best practices. So we 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 look at everything. Uh, to try to evolve our offense, best practices in college, best practices in the NFL. And, and what I mean by that from a schematic standpoint, you know, who's who are the top five teams on third and three to six? You know, we can make a big step there. What what are they doing? Are there any – is there anything common with those five teams? Is there something that we could implement that, that fits our identity, right? Same thing, red zone touch, what, whatever area. So we've been going through that process. That will continue to, to go on. We look at that. Um, every level of college, also the NFL, we're just looking for little nuances, best practices, just looking to evolve the scheme every year. Um, I think this is a time of the year where obviously professional development, calling people, you know, uh, getting ideas. I think things like that, going to visit people, um, you know, we're starting with that. But then also, you know, you mentioned it, you're looking every year, how can we evolve and adapt maybe how we installed last year compared to how we want to install this year, right? What are what are strengths of our personnel that we can kind of foresee? What do we want to build around? So we're constantly looking at that and, uh, you know, how, how we can change, how we can make it, you know, a better, you know, a better learning process for the players, a better install schedule. Um, so we're doing all of those things right now before we roll into spring ball. And we actually started implementing some of those in, in phase one. Very nice. That's awesome to hear. And it's awesome to hear that it's always a continually evolution. Like, you know, there's always that room for improvement, room for growth, right? Um, we're going to pivot a little bit here to talk about something else. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, the transfer portal capital was spent on the defensive side of the ball uh, this turnaround, but uh, there was a huge ad on the offensive side with Montavious Cunningham on the offensive line. 
what impressed you the most about him? And are you looking for him to kind of slide in at that tackle spot or is he going to move inside to guard, you think? Well, I think, you know, going, going back to what attracted us to him, um, you know, just from a film standpoint and a measurable standpoint, right? He's a guy that's got a ton of experience, um, started this past year at tackles, got some guard experience as well. Um, and then he's got length, size, and athleticism, and that's what we're constantly trying to improve uh, up front and really at every position, right? We want to we wanna have the biggest, longest, most athletic team we can put on the field, um, and that applies in a lot of positions, but especially at the offensive line. Um, you know, that, that, that helps you just from the get-go. So I think that, but then getting him on campus, him and his family, like the type of fit he was going to be, the type of aptitude he had, um, the type of motivation he had to come and to come to a place like Virginia Tech and and compete to earn a job. You know, as far as position right now, I think our job, and I'm going to kind of pivot to offensive line in general, you know, we've got to be in a mindset of making sure we put our best five on the field, right? That, that's got to be the starting point uh, to create that starting O-line. And really, as much as we look about you know, you know, we look at it as, okay, this guy's the left tackle, this guy's the right tackle, left guard, right guard, center, so on and so forth. It's really being able to get a ranked number of one through 10, one through 15. Where do these guys fit, uh, you know, as far as their playing ability, right? That's what we're constantly trying to evaluate now, phase one, going into phase two, all those things. Um, so I think the, the biggest thing with Montavious, there's there's some position flexibility there. You know, he'll be able to come in and compete on the interior. He's got some tackle flex to move out, but uh, but I think he provides a, a piece in there. You can get in there and, and, and battle to be in that top five. Yeah, you guys really have preached that since day one, it felt like here. It's like get your best five on the field when it comes to the offensive line, and y'all have not shied away from that at all in the last three years. So I love to hear that as a continuing, this is what we're going to do. We're not trying to go all over the place. Best five, we'll play them. I'm going to ask you to piggyback on that. I think, you know, that goes in the way Coach Crook coached those guys. I mean, I think we do a really nice job from starting with him, you know, and cross-training those guys. You know, we, we get you got to you got to start a young player in a position to get them comfortable with the scheme, right? To like, hey, yep. this is the play call. I'm moving in this direction. This is my technique. But the techniques really carry over across the board. I'm either a covered player or uncovered player on most plays. Yep. Right. So those techniques start to go. Then you figure out, OK, who's got the athleticism? Who can we get out in space? Things like that. So they're developing all those skills. You got to start them, you know, from a one position spot. And then I think Coach Crook does a really nice job of moving those guys around. Yeah, I like that. And, um, you know, when, when we talk about that, like position flexibility is so important. And I'm, I love that Crook is, has been preaching that has done a good job with that cross training. That's really important to hear. Um, let's talk a little bit of scheme though. So, you know, you began last season, you had Grant Wells starting at quarterback, but by week two, you had a different young man under center. What was your philosophy during that change? And in what ways did Kyron's skill set create new opportunities for the offense? Yeah, I think, I, th I think the first thing, right, is, is Kyron, you know, true, true triple threat guy, right? He can do it with his legs and do it with his arm. He's got a ton of aptitude to what we were able to put on him from a scheme standpoint and the checks he can make at the line, things like that. Uh, that was, that was neat to watch him grow into that role on the offense. So I think all of those things lead to it. But when you really think about the turning point is, is getting the run game going, right? Any successful offense, you want to be able to win the rushing battle. And I think with his skill set back there, you're able to build on it, right? You're, you're, you're never outnumbered in the box, right? Uh, yep. you know, now, now you get an extra hat in the box. It's, it's not always the answer to have to throw against outnumbered, 
right now you've got the opportunity to truly read a player and put a guy in conflict and him be a real threat with his legs. Um, so I think that opened up a lot of things and then continue as the season, um, as the season went to be able to build on play action concepts around that to create some explosive passes, move guys around, get them in different spots where the defense can't key on them. But I think it it all started with with him opening that up with his running ability. Absolutely. I want to ask about that because you sit here and you talk about the run game, getting it going to play action. One play that takes me back last year was against Wake Forest. Y'all ran the RPO and that safety just – he just said, oh, we're running the ball. And the next thing you know, you had Jay Lane on a little post. When you guys are just looking, you know, breaking down the tape, are y'all looking for tendencies like that? Like this guy, when he sees an RPO, he will come to the line quickly. It's who he is as a player. Yeah, I think I think when you talk about it, and that is, you know, I think a lot gets made about RPO. You know, some so we we got all types of category categories for those. So, you know, a lot of what we do, we do some TTO. Those are triple throw options. They're really in the – triple option realm right we got rpos which hey we want to run the ball first pass it if we get outnumbered right and then you've got a a pro world where you want to we're throwing the ball you know unless they cover it up now we've got run numbers back in the box so um we categorize all those things but but certainly like in in an rpo world um you know we're all we're constantly looking how do they want to support that formation from a run standpoint right now and a lot goes into that right defensive call predicates that uh back alignment um, di- different things formationally, how they want to support the run. So that's something we're looking for every week, right? If there's two ways to look at it, right? We could read a guy to run or we could read a guy to throw. That was a situation they were supporting hard to our running back. Um, we we kind of noticed that. We got that tag up in the game, and Kyron was able to go take advantage of it, um, did a really nice job reading the play. 100%. I want to talk another – keep the subject here with Kyron for a minute because we had him on just a couple weeks ago. And he talked about the enthusiasm you had getting him to Blacksburg and the relationship you two guys have built from that initial plane trip and lunch down in Waco (laughs) back over a little over a year ago now. But let's talk about how that's developed since you became the quarterback coach. What makes that offensive coordinator and quarterback one relationship so special, both personally and then on the field? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as, as simple as this sounds, it's it's just two guys being on the same page, um, you know, and, and I feel that, right, understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses, understanding thought process. Hey, you know, there, there's little things, right, when a play call comes in and it gets signaled and he sees it, he knows exactly what I'm thinking because of how we've gone about our meeting process that week, what that plays in the game plan for. I think there's just more – it's more cohesive – um, from from those standpoints, it's a little bit more natural. And I think it's also, you know, being in the room and, and understanding him and what he sees well, what fits his eye. Um, you know, these these are things he's going to do really well. These are areas we need to improve on um, and being able to build on those. It, it's, it's really as simple as that, right? Just two guys getting on the same page. And ultimately, you know, play caller and player that's going to make a decision on every snap that we go out there on offense being on the same page of, of really the why behind what we're doing, not necessarily the what and how. All right. I, I, I love hearing that. I love hearing the relationship. But I think what you say there is that in that room, because you said it, I give that call. He knows exactly what we talked about in that room. And he's okay. going to go out there and do it. Um, let's go to last year, man, because what a season that was. It was a roller coaster. But in the end, what a great stretch in the last two months. And when you look back on it in retrospect, of the 2023 season, what area 
are you looking to most improve into 2024? Yeah, well, no, number one, you're, you're saying all the right things. That was last year, right? And that's been the, you know, that's the that's the biggest message right now, right? We, you know, ultimately, when we look at it, we, we you know, season still didn't go as we wanted. We were, you know, we were, were where we were at the end of the year. Um, you know, there were some nice things, but that was that was just that. It was last year. We got a brand new team right now. There's some experience we can build off of. Um, but ultimately, when I look at us right now, we're going back, right? The first thing you do in the offseason, before you start going to study other people, you study yourself, right? And we're going through a self-scout process. And we take everything again, like I, I always joke about it, like you're like you're tearing a house down to the studs and building it back up. So looking at at really the process, at how players make decisions on each play, the techniques that we were coaching, how can we coach this better? How can we make it simpler to install? Um, so we're looking at all that. And, and what I see, there's just so many areas that we just need to tighten up. Right. We're obviously going to evolve from a scheme standpoint. There were some, you know, there were some good plays as the season unfolded. But if we can just tighten everything up, if we can understand a little bit more of the why behind what we're doing, if we can get our hat six inches over on an outside run, if we can hit those landmarks, there's a lot more yards and a lot more points to go on the field. And that's and again, I'll tie that right back into the thing we started with. That's a beauty of phase one. Right. It's about those things. It's, it's about the first step. It's about not false stepping. It's about the drive off the ball, the release against outside leverage press, right? Where's my hat uh, on this outside run, right? It's about all those things. And really, when you look at it, it's a simple game. If we can tighten up those 100-level things and then apply them to a 400-level play that we're going to present to the defense, we're going to be much better as an offense. And that's really been the message, right? How can we get better at the basics? We can't get bored with being really good at the basics. First step, hand placement, hat placement, release, coverage recognition, uh, progression, you know, timing, footwork in the pocket, like all those little things are going to lead to us having more success. And we're, we're always going to look to evolve, right? That's not meaning we're going to roll out and it's going to be the, the same look that it always is. You're going to look to evolve. But in the end, no matter what we do schematically, it's going to come down to those basic 100-level things getting executed at a high level. Yeah, you got to have those fundamentals. You got to be able to execute consistently. So if you're not doing those things, it's going to be hard to kind of take that that next big step and put in some some new wrinkles. So. Uh, I, I can appreciate where you're coming from there. And I, I love you talking offensive line lingo here because, I mean, this is an offensive line podcast. I played O-line Division three back in the early 2000s, so I, 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 lo- I love all, all of the terminology that's thrown out there. But uh, And I firmly believe this. Offensive linemen make the best offensive coordinators. I've always said it. We I've, should hope so, right? I've, I've had I've had a bunch in, in, in my career, and I, I definitely will hold firm to that belief. But uh, you had a head coach when you were at Maryland, Ralph Friedgen, that you know we're familiar with as Hokie fans, both from you know playing in, in the latter years uh, of his career in the ACC, but also from all of the those times that he shared with Frank Beamer and other stops in his career. Um, he was a dynamite play caller. And and he played everything in college himself, starting at quarterback and then you know finishing his yeah, career at guard. Moving closer to the ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just <laughs> he kept moving closer to the ball. I don't think he would mind me saying that. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, I, I love that about him, and I just wanted to see if you know what were some of the things from an offensive coordinator and play caller perspective that you learned from Coach Friedgen. He, uh, Coach Friedgen, number one, he had a huge impact on me. Number one, getting into coaching. Um, when I was uh, when I was a player at Maryland, I was a, a tackle, 
Um, didn't have a very illustrious career by any stretch as a player. Ended up having a career, a career ending injury uh, in my third year. And he's the one that kind of taught me in the coaching, you know, and, and one of the one of the best things he ever did for me was early. Right. I'm starting on the ground floor. Number one, he told me, you know, you know, he was he was very crass and to the point. He said, hey, you know, you know, Tyler, the only the only reason you had a chance to travel and even be in this position was because you were smart. He said, so I feel I feel good about where you're developing as a as an offensive line coach. So what he did is he put me in a very uncomfortable situation. He had me sit in the quarterback room for two years uh, and and just really expanded my knowledge of the game. But what I can always appreciate about him from that standpoint, I understand, you know, how he coached is that. It, it all starts from the inside out if you want to be good. That offensive line's got to be a heartbeat of the team, that quarterback being in sync with decision-making. And Coach Freedom was one of those guys. He could sit in an offensive meeting room and coach everything from the split of the wide receiver to the first step of the left guard to the, you know, to the exchange between the center and the quarterback to him to the run. I mean, it was just impressive what he could do. So I think – you know, that made a that made a huge impression on me is right when you when you get into this, like really understanding each position in detail, understanding how that all relates to the big picture. Um, so uh, he made a huge impression on me from that standpoint. And then as a play caller, the variety, the variety of scheme he was able to implement, you know, in one offense. You know, when we were in college, everything from triple option concepts like true veer under center to spread elements, to RPOs before they were a, a buzzword term that everybody likes talking about, to, you know, two-back power out of 22 personnel. You know, I mean, he could he could really coach it all and in, in great detail. So he, you know, he, he did a great job of, of just helping me expand my knowledge and really giving me the itch and 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 the fire to, to want to be a coach. Man, that's awesome to hear. I, I also find it so interesting that he asked you to go to the QB room. Now, first of all, you were clearly the tallest guy in that room by miles, right? <laughs> yeah, um, tallest guy. And when, hey, when I said when I said that he gave me a compliment of smart, that only meant that I knew what to do at tackle. I, I found out. I, I found out really quick. Yeah, I didn't know anything else. You know, he had to. He he, he broke me down to the studs and built me up again as a coach. There we go. So, I love yeah. that. But it but it shows a lot that he had that trust in you to say I believe you can get in that room in our understanding our concepts because that, that does say a lot about him having that belief in you to go in there man um and let me pivot a little bit because talking about somebody who could put together a drive who could put together great play calls last year are there any games or drives that stick out to you where you we're going to borrow some from J.C. Price, who was on with us a few weeks ago, where you felt like every time you looked down on your sheet, called to play, you rolled a seven. Any games like that last year or drives? Uh, there, there were there were good moments. I, I'm not going to remember them all from last year. I'm trying to try to I'm watch. Trying to you know, I, I thought I thought our guys did a an excellent job, like thinking back to the Syracuse game. You know, it just seemed like the Russian attack that night, the way, the way we were attacking, the way the guys were executing, the way the ball carriers were running. Um, you know, that was just a, probably a feeling that sticks out. But I think there were there were multiple instances of that. And I think the you know, the big the big thing is, is this also how can we make that consistent? You know, how can we become more consistent? Um, and it goes back to all those little things. Awesome. Love hearing that. Definitely yeah. a Syracuse game, Ryan. <laughs> you know what? It's it stood out on both sides of the ball. We we've yeah. said it we said it all year, man. Um so la last big question here. 
Um, we don't have him on today, but our analytics man, Sheldon Moss, uh, he said that one of the biggest predicators of next year's outcome is the prior year's outcome. I know as you as a coach, we, we, we're trying to forget last season, right? We're trying to forget all of that, right? But, um, and, and coaches hate thinking about, you know, how we finished in 2023, we're, you know, and all that. But, you know, based on a lot of the media outlets, we're looking at a lot of returning production on the offensive side of the ball. As an offensive coordinator, does that type of continuity make your job easier, for lack of a better word? I don't know if I'd say easier. I'd say exciting. You know, I think it's exciting anytime you've got, you know, this much return in production and, and potential continuity between the, the guy that's going to be throwing the football and handing it off and the guys that are going to be around them. I think that's something we're excited to build upon. You know, it really has, you know, I, I'll say it both ways, right? The continuity, I think, is is important and what we're all excited about, but it's being able to take the next steps with those guys, right? Making sure we're doing a good job developing the individual player to be able to come into the the group and be a better player to make our offense better. Right. So we're, you know, we're full steam ahead on that, but, but certainly uh, the the continuity is is great. And I think like the, the big thing that always sticks in my mind, right. That all adds up to potential. Right. And it's our job as a coaching staff and it's our job as we go into phase one and we go into phase two and we, and we accomplish these things throughout the year, we've got to turn that potential into production. Yeah. Um, so right now that that's how I look at it, right? There's, yeah, there, there's a, there's a ton of potential. You can look at it a lot of different ways, but we got to strip it down to the studs. We got to build it back up. We got to build it back up better than before and make sure that we go out and produce on the field. Man, I'm, I'm, I keep hearing the studs thing and I keep thinking like all these guys coming. That's back. my go-to right now. It is, man. It's great. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a great thing that anyone that's ever built anything understands, but I love you keep saying that because for all those guys, the continuity of the guys coming back, you can look and say, you know what you do well. Let's get that better. What don't you do well? That's How right. can we make that better? Because if you make that better, the stuff you got going good for you already is going to be there. Um, and I love you saying that because it, it tells me that we're not looking to be seven wins again. We're looking for better. And I think that's the way this staff has looked at since day one. All right. Easy question to, to, to round it out here today. We appreciate okay. your uh, time, um, Tyler. We know you're a busy man. But what is your food spot in Blacksburg? It's one we ask every coach or player that ever comes okay. on with us. Food spot. I, you know, I got, I got two. If I want wings, it's PK's. All right, which I, I'm. I, hey, look, I'm a wing guy. All right, che- I, are I, you a cheetah wing guy? I, you know what? I do like the cheetah wings. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. That that what it, it. I learned that. I learned that from cheetah. All right, but I do like the cheetah wings. I, I'm a regular medium or hot buffalo guy, though. There we go. All right, I like a little medium or hot buffalo with some blue cheese, and then if uh, you know, if I want a an Italian meal, I really I'm, I'm a big fan of Avellinos. Okay, um, good, good spot in town, man. They got a great steak, a little pasta on the side. You know, if you're if you're not yo-yo dieting and carb cutting, which I'm doing right now, you know, that's a that's a good spot. But you can always go with the steak and veggies. There we go. And I, I appreciate you bringing it up because that's a good one. And that's one I, I haven't heard a coach or player say yet. So you, you got a new one on the board for us. Got a new <laughs> good, one on the board. Good. good. Coach Bowen, we know you're busy today as it every day. We appreciate you taking the time out of the day to spend with us here at the Boundary Corner Podcast. Um, good luck in this upcoming season and in the spring game. Um, we hope to see you there. And uh, you take care, sir. Uh, we appreciate it. Appreciate y'all's support and, and look forward to being on again sometime. Awesome. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Okay. All right. Y'all have a good one. So we got to sit there and talk to him. And obviously, we threw some questions off of him. Like, that Ron Crook thing, 
that came out of nowhere. I was expecting to go to the next question. The next thing you know, he's talking about Crook and what he does, and it's like, you know what? Let the man go. But let's throw it to both of y'all. I'm going to start with Shelton here because, Shelton, your name got mentioned. From this interview and the things he's talking about, you know, what, what's your feelings on it? My feeling is I love it. I think it's um, – first of all, it's great to have an offensive coordinator that is so willing to be, you know, to do these interviews and, and be open with uh, with media outlets like us. And it hasn't always been the case. But, you know, I just I just love hearing him talk about, you know, the, the complexities and the RPOs, um, you know, just the wrinkles and the tags that they put in because, you know, I was talking with a coaching friend and he, and he mentioned how, you know, with RPOs, you've got layers to it, you've got different tags. You know, just because something looks like a simple RPO doesn't mean that it actually is because it can go different ways. So just those those types of complexities and seeing how, you know, the the, the quarterback, Kyron Drones, kind of, you know, progress with those throughout the course of the season, making reads, um, you know, making those those decisions for himself. I just I was super impressed with how they how they made those little adjustments throughout the course of the year. And it was great to hear him talk about just, you know, to, to kind of validate what we saw in terms of the, in terms of the progression. So I thought it was uh, it was really good. I, I just I just love his eye for football, really. Tyler, what about you, man? What caught your uh, ears on this uh, interview with Coach Bowen? First of all, Sheldon is fucking smart. When he talk, <laughs> I be man, I be tuned in when he be when he be talking. He be hitting me with them words. I said, "Boy, that boy's smart." But a um, couple things we're gonna get into. Number one, we might be Thanos. You know, we might be Thanos, <laughs> offensive coordinator. Head coach, QB1, line coach, wide receiver coach. We got to get Marv on, man. That's it. <laughs> we, we need the defensive We need the defensive coordinator on this show. You know, I'm sitting here looking at it like, man, BCP done came a long way, man. You know, Brian, give yourself a pat on the back, man. Curtis, hey. Give yourself a pat on the back. Great interview, guys. I'm sorry I couldn't be there, but y'all did a good job. Um, second thing that stood out to me, I got to get Tebow and get him around some more black people. We ain't eating no blue cheese. He was doing good until he mentioned the blue cheese. You got to get ranch, man. We got to get you with some ranch. Okay. Now we got that out of the way. We got all that stuff out of the way. <laughs> out of the way. <laughs> Even before hearing him talk, um, you know, interview, even before hearing him, you know, going to what our offense does good and what he does and what he's doing, he, you know, talked about tearing it down to the studs. What I like about him is his ability to recruit because it doesn't matter what you run. It doesn't matter how great of a mind you are. If you're not getting players in, it don't matter. He's winning, got players in. Yeah, He's a very relatable guy. Yep. He's very open and honest, just like Pry. Uh, we've talked to Chris. Shout out to Chris. He's on here. Uh, we talked to Kevin just about how he is, um, you know, with the players, with the parents, you know, with the other coaches. <clears throat> That's awesome to, to have an offensive coordinator that is, you know, a really sharp guy, like Robbie said, but also a really open guy, uh, kind of what Shelton said, you know, open with the media and things like that. But uh, one thing, you know, the, the main thing that stood out is when he talks about, you know, building from the outside, from the inside out, you know, that line inside of that line, you know, the, the quarterback, that great job. You know what I'm saying? His mindset, what he has moving forward. He's not even thinking about last year. 
You know what I'm saying? He's washed his hands with it. He can't even give y'all no examples at the moment because we're moving forward, and that's how you got to be. Because when we had Kyron on, he talked about it. And we'll talk about it a little bit more. It's a 12-team playoff next year. Yep. It's not far-fetched to get into that playoff for anybody right now. You know, especially, you know, especially ACC team. So yep. great interview, man. It was good good to hear him talk about the things that uh that that they're doing moving forward. What you thinking about it, Curtis? Well, it's to me it was just talking to him how loose he was. And and Sheldon, you made a point about, you know, having the uh, the, the abilities to interview the, the coaches now and the players without you know, there's no pushback anymore. But there were a few times on there we were getting ready to go to another question and he interjected. Like he interjected, like he wanted to give more information out there. Um, and you can tell he enjoys what he does because talking like the offensive, listen, when he started that helmet six inches outside, I thought Brian was going to get all giddy. I thought we were going to be going to do an hour long, talk about hand placement and kick steps. You know, you, you, wanted, you wanted to, bro. Man, I, you know, we, we could have we had a conversation for a good while if we were just going to talk offensive line technique. But, I mean, the thing that impressed me, and, I mean, you know, when I was looking at that kind of retrospective question and crafting that about, you know, Coach Freed, I was like, all right, so I, I wanted to tie that in because I felt that was important with having that connection with another coach that had a really close connection with, with Frank Beamer, obviously, between the Citadel, Murray State, and just all those all those games they played against each other when they were in the ACC before uh, Freedgen was, uh, was out in Maryland. And – you know, having that with the James Franklin connection at Maryland and then all of that, I just I felt that was important. But kind of what we got out of that is, you know, we've got Tyler Bowen in the quarterback room now, and that started at Maryland. Yeah. And yeah. that that's kind of the crazy full circle uh, stuff that we're, you know, we're dealing with here and that we were able to kind of talk about and hash out there. So that was really impressive for me. Yeah. And then the RPO, TTO, PRO. Yeah. Get it right. It ain't we'll just an RPO every damn time, y'all. And you learn that here on the Boundary Corner podcast today. There's multiple variations of what they're doing. And, uh, but again, overall, just talking with Tyler, again, seems very genuine. Um, you know, obviously, Avellino's, I looked up the menu. I mean, it's a it's an Italian place where they, they do steak. They do all sorts of food. We might hit it up the next time we are uh, in Blacksburg, boys. But again, it was spring game, huh? Spring game, spring game. We gonna try. Brian's already there. He's definitely. I've already booked the hotel, man. We 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 in. He's in. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. I hope you try. I know you busy though, because they got you traveling for work all over the place. That's all right. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna trying try. to get up in there. He's going to try to find a conference in Roanoke that week. Yeah, I should right. go here to do my training. <laughs> right. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. All right. So, again, we, again, appreciate Coach Bowen. Also, shout out Travis Wells. We had a couple minutes talk with him as we were getting. Um, Travis has been and – and I've said it a couple times. Travis has been such a great help to us um, getting the players, getting the coaches, working with us. Um, at all points in time. And it's funny because, you know, Brian, we go back 25 years, man. We were watching as we were, you know, young teens. We were watching Travis Wells talk about sports on Channel 7. And oh, yeah. now we email him. We talk to him on Zoom occasionally and say, what's up? World's crazy, man. All right. We are now going to take a quick ad from our digital partners and Main Street Pharmacy and then talk a little hoops when we get back. I can probably save you a lot of money and I can take a lot better care of you. 
That's pretty much it. My name is Jeremy Counts and I'm a pharmacist. I own and operate Main Street Pharmacy here in downtown Blacksburg. My brother's a pharmacist, I'm a pharmacist, my uncle's a pharmacist, my dad's a pharmacist. I remember he would give me M&Ms to count in little pill counters. This is something I've always done and I'm just lucky that what I know so well is something that I can do and feel good about it and give back to people. Pharmacies are your frontline defense. Pharmacy's job is to make sure you're getting optimal care for the lowest price possible. Also, we take the pressure off of emergency rooms. I'll tell people immediately when they need to go to the doctor or I'll tell them if they just need a cream over the counter. If there's something that isn't commercially available, if it's something that's not available in a certain strength or a certain form or anything like that, we'll make it. Tailor-made medications. Some of those options save people a lot of money. What motivates me? I get to take care of people in Lemon Blacksburg. That's all I need. As we take a quick break, we'd like to tell you about getting your free website report from our digital partner, Grassroots Digital Marketing Studio. They'll tell you how your website ranks on Google, on-site SEO, and social media. No commitment to buy anything. You can get your free report by visiting grassrootsdigitalstudio.com forward slash free dash website dash report. Now back to the episode. All righty. So let's roll in and talk a little Hokies hoops and let's talk with these lady Hokies because I'm starting to count the games here, y'all. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's a ten. Ten in a row since the loss at Duke. They go into Louisville Sunday afternoon, and they beat the living hell out of Louisville. They beat them by 16. It could have been more. I mean, y'all, is it? does it feel like 2023 again? They're getting hot right down the stretch. Sheldon, I know you've been paying attention, man. What's what's going on with the ladies? And, I mean, is it – are those additions – is it starting to click? I think it is. And funny enough, you know, it came under similar circumstances as last year because – you recall Tech got blown up by Duke last year, and that's when they won, I think, 14 straight to close out the uh, the season before losing the Final Four. And then this year they get blown up by Duke again, and then now they're starting – I think they've won eight in a row or nine in a row. So um, kind of funny how that works out. But, yeah, I think they've – you know, they've really started to click. And throughout this course of the season, Kenny's always been talking about how, you know, it takes time for, for the incoming transfer players to gel and sort of find their roles. And I think now they're starting to find their roles. And, you know, part of that is rotations. Part of that is, I think, you know, players knowing where they need to be defensively because Kenny Brooks runs, you know, sort of a, a version of the pack line defense where, you know, it's, it's all predicated on help. And he said before, this team is not the best at individual defense, one-on-one defense. They would not do very well, but they do play very, very good team defense. And that only comes through you know, uh, having game experience and knowing where you need to be at all times. So I think, I think as they, as they get more minutes together, as they get more, more experience and they play together as a team, you know, you're starting to see them really sort of come together. And I think, uh, you know, Kenny's done just a fantastic job coaching these past few seasons. Um, you know, he is, even if you just take out how good he is as a recruiter, he is in my opinion, one of the best coaches in, in women's college basketball for sure. Tally, we know Tally y'all, Couple weeks ago, basketball heard him. He ain't turned to he ain't turned official. So Cali, it is nine in a row. They're ranked number eight in the country. And again, does it feel like twenty twenty three when 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 y'all well, are both starting to kick off? You know, I pay attention to the ladies. That's real basketball. <laughs> you know, I pay attention to them. I watch my girls, Georgia and 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 and, and Liz. You know, they 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 doing what we what needs to be done on the court. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm paying attention to them. Kenny, keep doing your thing. Ladies, keep showing out. I got a little bit of a bone to pick 
I don't understand how we keep on getting put behind North Carolina State. Yes. When we done beat that ass a couple times. I, I know they only lost three games. They're a pretty good team. They are. But two of them three losses done came to the Hokies, man. If y'all want to come out with these predictions, you know what I'm saying, put us in front of them. That's all I'm saying. They only I watched a little bullshit. bit of the – yeah, yeah, I watched a little <laughs> bit of the uh, of the Duke game uh, towards the end, and um, it's just man, they don't flinch. You know what I'm saying? Like when it's time for a big shot, you know, Georgia Georgia's hitting shots, and Liz just she looks like Dirk out there, man. She's hitting that turnaround off one leg, you know, and you yep. can't block it. She looks like Dirk out there, so it's been fun to watch, man. And they just they play to their strengths, they play together. And they have the skill set to, you know, go deep in the tournament. So really I'll say that about the ladies. Kudos to them. All right, Brian, what you got, man? Yeah, I'll say this. Uh, I think one thing I'm seeing maybe compared to last year is that when it's crunch time, there's like zero panic. Like they they are they are cool. They know they got it. They know that they, they're in control. So when, when it does get to those points where the game gets a little tighter, there's a run from the other side. Um, they're able to kind of quickly counter that, stay confident, stay uh, stay within the game plan. Um, you know, never never really any sort of panic mode for them. So, I think that's that's a big thing that I'm seeing from this team at this point. And you know, you start getting those uh, transfer portal folks that are starting to gel within the system. Um, you're seeing it a lot on both ends. So, uh, offense I think gets gets a lot of the the hype there, but I think defense is where it's showing up the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think defensively they've just been a lot tighter, especially in the last uh, several weeks. Yeah, me and Brian, me and Brian talked about that the other day about these ladies about you know Sumel and Eck and Wenzel starting to take roles within the team. And Shelton, you just said it. Kenny said it earlier. We've got a gel, and you're starting to see that gelling factor. And now it's not all on Liz, and it's not all on Georgia. You know, Wenzel had eight points on Sunday. That's that's huge because we know Wenzel is Georgia's backup, and if she can come in and get eight points every time and take that pressure off Georgia, mm-hmm. I mean, me and Brian were just saying, what if they put both of them on the court at the same time and you let Georgia run around? Like, you want to talk about just making a defense like stretch like this between Liz on the post and the way Georgia can shoot threes? I'm going to be interested to see what goes on down the stretch, but these ladies are playing fabulous. Yeah, and I think I think another thing to talk about is just the number of folks in the rotation. I mean, last year was pretty much a, a, a six person rotation pretty much for the whole year. And like, you're seeing more of a, more of eight uh, this year. I think that's going to play, play good in, in the, when we get to tournament time, because when you have eight, you can't just get worn down. You can't get beat up. Yeah. Um, that was really the only thing that was beating us last year was just that fatigue factor. Um, I think you get eight, you know, an eight, an eight rotation, I think that's going to be a big boom when it comes to playoff time. Uh, yeah, and they they also have depth at the right spots. So they've got, you know, Carly Winslow who can come in as a backup point guard. And they've also got Claris Track at forward who can back up Liz. And we'll see, you know, uh, Claire and Liz play at the same time. So, you know, last year, I think it was it was mainly Gage Greg who came off the bench as sort of like a defensive stopper. But now, you know, you've got, you know, a backup for your for your forward and your point guard. I mean, that's a, that's a really big luxury. And you know, obviously with with Liz and Claire on at the same time, that's just got to be a nightmare for for teams to try to rebound and, and defend against. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. All right. So let's put the ladies. They're up here. They're on our pedestal right now. And let's talk about the men's team. <clears throat> Shelton foreshadowed this a little earlier, and I'm sure everybody's seen the score. Hokies win last night, 75-41 over the number 21 ranked UVA Cavaliers. I'm going to repeat that again, 75-41. Does anybody, Sheldon, Tally, Brian, what's the explanation for this team? Because you don't go shell somebody like that and have some of the games we've had. I mean, they play, yeah, we talked about it earlier. They play good to great at home, and then the away has not not looked very good. So um, I, I don't think we probably thought that we'd see the extreme of that that we saw last night. Hell no. But, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> Sean, what did you see? You clearly watched it, and uh, or I don't know if you watched it live or you called it on, you know, yeah. recording. What did you, I mean, you, to me, you don't, a team who's, our record, you don't. I don't give a shit if it's your rival or not. You don't beat the shit out of somebody like that. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a crazy game. I mean, they were hitting on all cylinders. I thought, you know, offensively, Tech made they just they always made the extra pass, and they you know they they hit shots when they had open looks. And you know, I think I think defensively, um, they played very well. They they shut down Beekman completely. They shut down Jake Groves, who is UVA's best three point shooter. He's hitting like fifty percent this year, which is I think is uh, sixth best in the country. He did not have a single three-point attempt in this game, so they they did a fa- fantastic job on them. And those are really, you know, UVA's two biggest threats outside of Isaac McNeely. Uh, but I think, you know, big picture, UVA to me is a team that's been skating on really, really thin ice. They've won a bunch of close ball games. All of their losses are by very large margins, which is why the metric the metrics don't like them a lot. So to me, I know they've got twenty wins, and I I, I know they're a good team, but I just never really saw them as a as a real contending team as far as the postseason goes. So, you know, Tech was favored by three. You know, I thought they would win. I did not expect them to win by this much, but I think it's a combination of, you know, a team that usually plays well at home, playing against a team that really always plays poorly on the road in UVA. Tally, did you look up the stats? Did you look up the highlights? Or are they, they still on here? It ain't no need to. It ain't no need to. When you beat the shit out of somebody 75 to 41, that means you made some shots. They didn't make shit. <laughs> Sheldon, Sheldon, how many threes did, did UVA hit? One or two? Uh, yeah, probably. Okay. They probably hit one or two threes. That means somebody was running them off the line. Um, we probably shot 50 threes. I don't know how many threes we shot. 23. We 22, yeah. 23. What, so we, we, hit we, we hit about 10. Eight. Eight, eight of 23. So the problem is, <laughs> we live we live and die by the three, but a lot of times when you live and by the live and die by the three, the defense is out of position, getting back trying to stop the other team. Without watching any of this game, they just played better defense in this game and they ran UVA off the spots. And it comes down to probably, you know, playing at home, playing at home, and you know, being comfortable there and. A rivalry game is that is exactly what it is. No matter what sport it is, you you just you got to throw the records out of the window, and you just got to go play ball. Yeah. Sometimes when the team start to get beat, it's like they give up, and it's probably what UVA did. It's like fuck it, this ain't our night because they only hit two threes with you know as many shooters as they have, or how good they kind of shoot the three. Um, it's probably a rough night for them. So 
They scored 41 points. Their high man probably had six points. You know, it's, second, it's, third high score was six points. Yeah, so you ain't like, far off. <laughs> and what's wild, like, if you look at the, the Hokies box score, I mean, the, nobody really went off. Mm-mm. It was just a complete dominant effort across the board. I mean, probably yeah, Nickel had one of his better games yeah. overall. But, I mean, outside of that, no one really went off relative to their normal average. It was just uh, everybody was doing something. You know, just, there wasn't really a weak spot in the lineup. Well, when you uh, when you got a team like Virginia Tech, you you have to have a game like that to win. Like that's the way that they have to win because they don't have the guy or a guy. Yeah. You now what we yeah. talked about earlier is like you have to have everybody clicking on all cylinders just to, you know, I would say to to, to play at a high level and win a game. But again, sometimes when the offense is going, it, it translates to defense. So uh, and vice versa. So. You, you, you don't have to have somebody go for 30 points or 25 points if everybody's getting 10 to 14 or 11 here and, you know, eight here and yes. everybody's doing that. If you're getting that poured in from everybody, then that's that's kind of your formula to win. And that's yeah. – it's not a huge difference. It is a huge difference when you look at it from the sports aspect of uh, somebody being a 20-win team to a 15-win team. True. But – the skill level and the talent is not like super different when you look at the NCAA basketball, men's basketball of a 15 win team to a, a 20 win team. It just came down to somebody won some close games and somebody lost some close games. So I'm not saying like the, you know, the Hokies are horrible. I'm never watching them again, but it's just like this year when it was time to go win a game, we just didn't do it. Didn't do it. You know we just didn't do it over we and did. over. We didn't do the ones we should have won. That's right. the, that's the frustrating part because right. I think we look. Iowa State's a top what twenty ranked team now. We beat them. We just right. smoked UVA. We've had Vermont's always a good smaller school. We beat them. It's those little ones. It's Miami. It's the Notre Dame's. It's those ones where it's like, if if this team wins those three or four games, nineteen and nineteen and seven, and we're sitting here, shell nineteen and seven. Are the Hokies in? I mean, depending on how you distribute the wins, I would say right. it's a pretty, pretty solid chance. Right. So, and I think, I think that's probably what's frustrated Tally more is mm-hmm. it's not that we can't beat the good teams. It's you see that Miami game and you have the lead, and it's just like it's a double digit lead. And y'all couldn't close this out in the last eight right. minutes. Are you right. kidding me? All right, sorry here. All right, so that's that time. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting off of it because if not. Sheldon, uh, I know you got to go, but go ahead and plug it when it's going to be coming out and stuff. Yeah, so I wish I knew exactly uh, within the next two days for sure um, on the on the key play. Uh, just do just do a little breakdown of the game, talk about what the Hokies well, did well defensively, and maybe give some projections for you know going forward just what they need to do to, to make the tournament. Obviously, it's going to be it's going to be a tough task. I think they're probably going to have to win you know win out in the regular season essentially. But you know the door's open. I think it's about you know twenty percent chance last time I checked. So. I mean, stranger things have happened, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think that's up from the last time we talked with you, so I guess time. that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's progress. Words, right. We're going to let Sheldon go, and in the words of Lois Christmas, you're saying there's a chance, even if it's a small one? <laughs> I'm saying there's a chance. All right. There we go. Sheldon, right. get out there, Thanks. get some rest, finish that article up. Thanks for joining us for a little while tonight, man. Yep. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Sheldon. All righty. We got just a few more things to hit here, and since the last time we talked – we got a couple more recruits, boys. 
We got a couple more recruits, so let's talk about them real quick here. Both from Green Run High School down in the 757 Virginia Beach. And I want to start with Jaden Anderson, 5'11", 160-pound wide receiver. A lot of good offers here. Had looks from Auburn, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, Miami. Um, if you know where Green Run is, that's where Brody played. So he was effectively the second wide receiver there. And Brian, Tally, y'all got to kind of look at him. Tally, I'm going to let you go first because there was something you noticed about some of his tape that he's only a three-star in 87 right now, but mm-hmm. you said there was something you saw on the tape that probably kept him down a little bit. I want you to mention that first. Yeah, so, you know, he he's kind of a, a gadget player right now from what I've seen. He's playing wide receiver. He had, a you know, some, some – I don't know exactly what his stats was, but – had some uh, good production now, but he also was playing quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So if you're evaluating him, it's kind of – when you're playing multiple positions, sometimes it's harder to get that true evaluation of where you are compared to the other people playing that position. So um, he was doing some wildcat quarterback, uh, but he's electric with the ball in his hands. He's fast. Um, you know, he, he's a he's a not a very big guy, but he's he runs bigger than what he is like. Not scared to deliver a blow, so he 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 was a uh, watching a little bit of his film. Got to be excited, like you can't miss on kids like that. So um, again, Chris put it in. Chris put it in the chat right now. He said he played quarterback in the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? It's like he 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 wants the ball in his hand. So when you have kids like that that are uh, interested in coming to help build, you don't let them go because a kid like that was the kid who in the past we would overlook and he'd go to Wake Forest or North Carolina and we'd see him for four years or three years and he'd absolutely murder us every time we played. So do not let them leave. There you go. You know what I'm saying? If they're wanting in, you let them in. So I'm 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 really glad to to start the class off with, you know, some some positive traction. And again, like you said, Curtis, looking at his offer list, because I look at, I mean, none of that stuff means anything until you get on there and produce. True. You know, they still got a whole other year, senior year to go in. But if you look at offers, man, like the kid has got offers. He's, he's like, like you said, Auburn's there. He's had a couple of more people who are big-time offers that was looking at him. So I'm glad we went on and snatched him up. 100%. Brian, what would you see from the tape? What did you like? Yeah, I mean, to piggyback off Tally there, I mean, talking about his versatility, but also this is going to be probably a year where he's going to get a lot more opportunity at that wide receiver spot. That might bump his rankings up um, as he kind of progresses through that. But, um, yeah, the thing I see right, is speed. Right, let, me, let me throw something out before you finish. Yeah. Because we hit on it a little bit, but I'm looking at just his offers right now uh, for, per 247. So if they wrong, y'all jump on their ass, not mine. They say Auburn, offer uh, Boston College, Duke, Florida, Georgia, uh, Liberty, Marshall, uh, Miami, Old Dominion, South Carolina, West Virginia, Temple. It's a good list. Is his offer list? This is a good yeah. list. Now, I'm gonna say it one time. Y'all don't even have to say nothing. We can let Brian finish talking. What if he chose Georgia? What if he chose Georgia? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Brian. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Tally's talking about a bump there. A little bump that would happen. A, a big little, bump. A little, little, little bump. 93. 
Nine yeah. three. Nine three. Six Nine points. Too easy. Yeah, yeah. And and Tally's right about that. Um and looking at him, I, I like his skill set. He's got really good speed. Um, I think he's a guy that could come in as kind of a tweener. He could he could be a slot guy, he could be kind of an outside number two. Um I think with, with, with his body and his frame, I think especially if he, he's able to put on a little more weight, I think that's something that he'd be capable of doing. But that speed, I mean, you can't coach speed. I mean, you, you can get a little better, but if you're fast, you're going to be fast. And Chris uh, falling it here, he's going to be a four star. Yeah, I mean, we we, we talked about it off camera. We said, you know, it's, it's, he's going to be a four star by, by the time it's all said and done. That, that, that's been our that's been our inclination as soon as he was on our radar. So, you know, Chris backing it up, that, that's big time. Yeah. And you and talk if anybody, about Yeah, if anybody doesn't know who Chris is, his son is Brody Adams, and he played at Green Run. So he's watched these kids for years probably. You know, I talk to Chris all the time, and, you know, he's giving me some knowledge on kind of, you know, what these kids can do and, and, and what kind of young men they are and their skill set that we haven't even seen. So he knows what he's talking about as far as watching them. Go ahead, Curtis. All I was going to say is they got a couple things clocked here for him. Like, and you talked about y'all saw him doing a lot of different things last mm-hmm. year. 48 passes for over 1,200 yards. Brian, do the math on that for me real quick. That is an ungodly uh, uh, yards per catch. Yep. 15 total TDs, 300 on the ground, 18 total TDs running and passing. What's that What's that yards per catch? That got to be over 20. Oh, you, got, you, you get me to do math? Well, I told you to do math. <laughs> It's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood. I'm going to let you handle it. 1,200 yards. You said 48 catches? 48 catches. Almost 20, 1,300. 20, 25 a catch. 25 a catch. I don't care if that – and that's green run. That's 5A. That's up there. He ain't playing the little boys, Uh, you know, in Bob Warner. That means either every time he catches the ball, he is making moves, which y'all have already said. Y'all saw on the tape. He's electric well, he's with the ball in his He's hand. electric. Yeah. That says a lot. I, I think Chris is right. I think, you know, it, it, maybe he gets a bump eventually for us. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, we talk about guys being fast and we talk about guys being quick. He's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. So, yeah that's what you yeah. Like he's, got, he's got area quickness, but he also has top end speed. All righty. Let's talk about the other gentleman that committed uh, from Green Run to Virginia Tech. Mileage Harold, a 5'10 and a half, 165-pound cornerback. An 86-rated guy, top 25 in the state of Virginia, no composite yet. I don't like looking to composite, but 247 puts him at an 86. Brian, real quick, what you see on tape from uh, Knowledge? Yeah, I mean, I, I like this player, man. He's, I think he's going to be kind of a big-time player for us when he gets there. Um, really good skills, um, good in coverage. Um, not not afraid to, to get in there and throw a lick. So, I mean, it's the type of guy that we – or have been kind of bringing in the, the kind of cheetah brand where, you know, uh, you got got that dog where you, where you want to get out there, play that man coverage as much as you can, but also not not afraid to put a little lick on you when you need to. Nice. What about you, Tyler? Just see and talk to Chris. Yeah. First of all, first of all, badass name. <laughs> Shout out yeah. to his family. Yeah. Badass yeah. name. I didn't even know how to pronounce it. Chris had to tell me. Um, badass name, and his name kind of for me, suits what he does. Like, he, his knowledge of the game seems to be a little bit of uh, ahead of his time. Um, I've I seen him, you know, just 
sideline interceptions, able to toe tap, you know, stuff from the back of the end zone, you know, you know, knowing where he's at on the field, you know, knowing when, when the quarterback starts to scramble, knowing to get to certain positions and certain spots. So he's kind of playing all over that, um, all over that secondary and his knowledge of the game is what kind of, what kind of got me. He's a smaller kid, again, smaller kid, but, um, I don't want to compare him to anybody yet, but if I kind of looked at what he does and what he's looking like, he kind of reminds me of like Monsoor when we first seen him. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when we first seen him and we didn't know exactly what he was going to get the tech and done, but yeah. get the tech and do, he kind of reminds me of that on the tape. So makes a lot of sense. So again, four in the class so far, real quick on knowledge, three year starter. So basically, Started yeah. every year. He was in yeah. high school, which is unbelievable. Um, and it's great because you think about, you know, the quarterback last last year and then the, the closest possible you could get to the university and then down to a ground that has done so well for Virginia Tech all these years down to 7-5 and building that pipeline back up. I'd love to see it. All right, just a few more things we want to hit before we close it out here tonight. BC got a coach. And y'all explain to me, and I know he's not the best coach, how did BC get a Bill O'Brien type coach this late in the process? Anybody? Anybody got a reason behind that? Probably because Alabama fans talked about him so bad he couldn't get no more jobs. It don't matter. They hated him. I don't know why. I didn't pay attention to him enough, but they fucking hated him. Everything that went wrong, they put it on him. They did. They did. Oh, so, so maybe. And I mean, you know, maybe we just took Alabama's great word for it. You know, I don't know if y'all checked out Willie on TikTok. He had some great TikToks. Mm-hmm. He may have said O'Brien didn't need a job, and nobody picked him up. He went to BC. Well, he was at Ohio State. He was there OC. Okay, well, I'm wrong. What you think, Brian? How? If, if this was us, we'd end up with. I mean, so I mean, it's 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 kind of been a weird trajectory for him because I mean, he was, you know, OC quarterback coach at Alabama. You know, worked with the Patriots last year, got picked up by Ohio State, and then said, "All right, well, BC's open now, so it's going over here. Let's let's kick it on over." Uh, I mean, you know, the Boston College and just the Boston connection in general can't be understated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's. You know that that's something that and it seems like an area that he he enjoys being in. Um, that's probably some of the allure of, of grabbing a guy like him at this stage of the cycle. And this might be you know kind of the last ditch effort of him getting a head coaching job with the resume he has. Right. So um, that he turned programs around though. He kept Penn State above. He, he kept he, he made sure that Penn State didn't completely die. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they may have went to him with that. Well, we're in a position we need a we need a resurrection. I don't know. You don't know what's said on these behind closed doors. Yeah. I mean he just likes playing chowder. He had he had two years at Penn State, you know, right after everything happened, um happened there. So and then he went to the Texans. So I mean he did a good job of keeping Penn State, you know, they didn't fall off. They weren't what they were before, but they also weren't as bad as they probably could have or should have been in that stretch. So, 
Um, he's a guy that's going to kind of maximize that roster, I feel like. Um, but I don't know if he's going to necessarily, you know, raise the the ceiling. Um, they ain't they ain't they ain't getting back where they were twenty years ago. No, nah. ever happening again. I, I mean, I think he's a guy that can get them in probably year two or three can make them a consistent bowl team every year. That's probably it. Um, and you know, I think he's got some work to do this off season with with some of the guys that they lost and things like that. So I don't think year one's going to be great, but year two or three might, might look, you know, at least kind of what we've expected from them when they've had some decent seasons in the last decade where they're like a, you know, six, seven, maybe eight at, yeah. at the best win team. hundred percent. All right, let's close it out with this boys, because as of today, it became official, 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 even though it's been kind of official, official, official for a long time. And that is college football playoffs definitely set for 2024 with the 12 teams. And here's all the fun parts they, because they had a changes with the Pac-12 in purgatory right now because – Basically dead. Well, I love – I sent it to text to them today, and Shelton's like, what the hell do you mean? This is wrong. And I'm like – I remember Pac-12. He's like, yeah, that's right. They're in purgatory. Football's dead. Basketball and the other sports are still alive until June, and then they're all going back. So – but five automatic bids. Uh, so that's basically – I mean, as it looks now, the four big ones plus one P5, uh, excuse me, one G5 school will get it. The top four conference champions get an automatic bid down into New Year's Eve, New Year's Day Bowls, which is great. Seven at-larges. Get get everything ready and write the dates down because you got to be ready. December 20th, December 21st, the four play-in games, five through 12s at the five through eights home field, which – I think that's something for years as college football fans, like you want to see like some of the best teams against each other on their home field, not at a neutral site. I wish it was maybe further in the playoffs like it, but bowls are still big. We said it before new year's Eve, new year's day matters again, y'all Fiesta bowl, new year's Eve night. Then the, the peach, the rose and the sugar. I know tally is just, when we win this conference, Tally is going to be the first person to book a hotel in Atlanta. I'm going tickets because it's it's, it's be. just up the road from him. I'm being there, man. We get to a major bowl game. <laughs> I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know why. I'm going. That's right. I'm gonna put a GoFundMe up, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna get wherever we gotta go. And I don't like to fly, so I might have to Brian, borrow Brian's truck. And, and, and take out. I don't know. But I'm going. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. So there's your New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Then just a few weeks later, the semifinals on a Thursday and Friday night, also in bowls this year, the cotton and the orange. Um, I love that they moved over Thursday, Friday, because it's going to be all eyes in January on a Thursday night, in January on a Friday night with the football world sitting there. And then finally the finals on the 20th. I'm not sure where it is this year. Don't care. Um, you know, but it, so it's out there now. And yep. Tally, you you said it earlier. Twelve's a game changer because yeah. you can stumble. Yeah, <laughs> it makes it makes the it makes the games a little bit more more real every week now. You know what I'm saying? Like every game's important. Now they always have been kind of important, but every game's important. Like you know, you may <laughs> you may stumble early in the season. You may be a you know two lost team that could still get in. Yep. You know you just got to keep playing. You got to keep got to keep chopping wood. So 
Well, and there's an emphasis across the board. So there's two things that are being emphasized with this that haven't been emphasized with the playoff as it has been since it's been put in place. That's one thing. Winning your conference matters. Yep. Big. Yep. Yep. That's the big thing. I know Florida State probably mad as hell right now. Yep. <laughs> oh, undefeated, undefeated win your conference still don't get in. Yep. And the second thing that matters is, you know, you talked about the stumbling early. You can stumble early and still win it. Yeah. So, right. You you could be a three or four loss team, but if you run that table and you get to that conference championship, you keep winning. You're in. You lose your your out of conference games and win the conference games. It is what it is. You get in. And and this is where I think we all three disagree with where we hear media people talk. It's going to lessen the games. I'm like, are you kidding? There's going to be. Two and there's going to be one, two, and three lost teams going into November. Just yeah. it's going to be what we just said. Just win. If we can just keep winning games, we're going to make it. They we talk are. about things being lessened and things like Bullshit. that, but Bullshit. it's pretty much exactly what we always know. Injuries matter. So if y'all say injuries matter, it depends who gets hot uh-huh. and who's the healthiest team. Yep. You know what I'm saying? At the beginning of the season, this team may have been the best team, but who is healthy late in the season? Who you know, who got hot at the end of the season and who went well, and won. Yeah, and the who, same thing that they were bitching about leaving Florida State out are the same reasons that teams are going to have a chance in right. this new system, right? So exactly. you don't have to be have an unblemished record and win your conference to have a shot here. You go from maybe six or seven teams feeling good about their chances heading into November to 20 teams feeling good about mm-hmm. their chances heading into November. That's going to create a lot more buzz, a lot more eyes, because you have that is spread across a larger swath of fan bases, a larger swath of markets. Like all of that is going to play into this. Yeah. And, it's and a that- lot of stuff. A lot of stuff goes into it. Like you said, when you talk about the markets, you know what I'm saying? Now you got some kids that's thinking about, well, maybe I don't have to go to these four schools to get seen or get to the playoffs. Yep. Maybe I can stay home. And my team has a legit chance for yep. me to play on the biggest stage. You know, we don't know. I, I, I'm excited about it, though. You know, I think it's going to, I think that along with NIL kind of levels the playing field, even though it's the Wild Wild West a little bit. It is. You know, they're probably going to do some stuff to change that a little, but yeah. you know, I think it kind of levels the playing field a little bit. Yeah, it, it, it's no longer, I like what Brian said there. It's no longer six or seven schools, it's like 20. Mm-hmm. It's like twenty, and it, and as every year those that fifteen to twenty could change, because yeah. every year somebody who just gets hot at the right time yeah. has the right quarterback or has, you know, the right offensive line, and they can just pave the way. They have a shot now, and for all these years, it was you got to be the blue blood, you got to be the blue blood mm-hmm. to consistently be there, and and it's no longer going to be that way. And I like what you say, Tally, about it's going to be easier to recruit to this because you and Kyron said it. And I yeah. love to hear Kyron say it. You make that stage all eyes on you. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. on you. And and, it, and to me, it, and people say, well, well you got to perform. Like, you keep making it, people going to start noticing. You know what? They're here every few yeah. years. Yep. What can they do for me? All right. So, fellas, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast, brought to you by Main Street Pharmacy in Blacksburg. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Jonathan Talley. 
Visit the website, boundarycornerbt.com. Listen to all of the recordings. Um, if you have not, please check out the Kyron Drones interview. I know it's it's got some big numbers. Brian said it's been hidden in both the YouTube and the podcast. Well, y'all go listen to that young man speak, and trust me, it'll make you believe. It'll make you believe. Yeah. Follow us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. All your favorite podcast sources, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We always let our buddy Jason Long play us in, play us out. I've got his live thing up. It's too cold for Jason to get out there and play the guitar on Saturdays at the Farmer's Market right now. I'm sure he'll be breaking back in March. Go check him out at jasonlawmusic.com. Links to all his stuff, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook pages. We thank y'all for listening. And as always, let's go. Okay. Okay.